Well, good morning, man. Those of you guys that are guests, my name is Todd Wagner. I get to uh, swing away with a bunch of the men here that are desiring to be more of the men that God wants us to be, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about as we kick off today. Come on in. Um, we'll uh, be in here for a little bit this morning, and then we'll dive out. You can put one more biscuit in your pocket and head on off to whatever it is you're going to take down today. But uh, we are really, really glad you're here. As we kick off the summit, and this is not uh, the, the formal beginning of it. This is kind of a time when we get together and remind ourselves why we get up early on Thursday, uh, even though we're not traveling. We get up early on Thursday to be with other guys who can encourage us and remind us what it is that we ultimately want to be about. And I always try and uh, grab some uh, sections of Scripture that remind us and encourage us as to what it is that, that God has for us and why we would want to give ourselves to it. Um, just to get us started as we head in. And I want to just, just take care of a little order of business as we get ready to do that a little bit later today. Next week is when we break off for the first time in our small groups. Next week is uh, when we begin to uh, be in here at 6.30, and you'll hear from uh, one of us for about 20 minutes as we just kind of frame the different reading that we've been on throughout the week. Now, we know that not everybody here has uh, maybe been journeying with us along the way. But it's a great time to dive in. You go to jointhejourney.com, you put your name and your email address in there, and every day you'll get sent right to your desktop uh, a, a little reflection on God's Word and a chance for you to just meditate on it. Now, we're, we're going to give you a notebook next week that will help you as you make your way through uh, the Scriptures. And we're going to be studying uh, some uh, great stuff this fall that's going to be uh, an opportunity for us just to bathe over us uh, the, the, the scriptures and acts and also some writings of Paul as he's developing kind of really, frankly, as he faces the end of his life. And so, uh, it's great for us as men to see how we want to finish. As we finish this 2008 year, we get a chance to see how great men finish life very, very well and become more the men that we want to be wherever we are in our journey of life. That's really what I want to talk about today. To wherever you are in your journey of life, you got a chance to get better or to correct what is wrong. And so I really encourage you, if you've not yet signed up, when you walk out today, there's a couple of gals out there that will help you get registered. We'll put you in small groups. If you've got some guys you want to be in a small group with, let us know. We'll make sure that that happens. And if you've got guys that you want to, enjoy, to join us, this is a great chance for you to be the kind of man that God wants you to be, a multiplier of men, and to go and grab them and say, hey, look, man, join me on Thursdays. It's a small ask, 8 to 10 weeks. Okay, just be here on Thursdays from 6.30 to about 6.50, and we'll feed you at 6.50. You get on your way, we'll have about an hour together in our small groups as we go over what we've learned and memorized and written down on our own personal study, and then uh, we'll break off and head out and serve the world. But guys, I will tell you, our goal at this study is not that you would come and be a listener. Our goal is to help you become increasingly successful at feeding yourself spiritually. Our goal is that you would take personal ownership of your own relationship with God and that you would develop uh, as a leader. And that's going to come when you learn and when you live it out, then you're ready to lead yourself. Kind of the idea of the summit came from, we're going to call it L2. You know that great mountain that a lot of guys like to go climb, K2. And it was initially learn and lead, okay? And we stuck uh, a third L in there that we would live it out. One of the things I always do with God's Word, people will uh, talk to me about God's Word, and I just say, man, what I try to do with God's Word is read it through, pray it in, live it out, and pass it on. And the rest of my life, I want to be about those four things. One of the very first commands that God gave us in Scripture is that we would be fruitful and multiply. And uh, a lot of guys think that's just all about passing on your biological seed. 
But not at all. When God gave man that command, what he was talking about right there, uh, he said, look, in Genesis chapter 1, he laid out the law of creation, and that's that every living thing would reproduce after its kind. And that's exactly what all men will do. They reproduce after their kind. If you are an indifferent slug, if you're apathetic towards spiritual things, if you're chasing after the ways of this world, okay, you're going to produce individuals that follow you around your sphere of influence and give themselves to what you give yourself to. And what really the summit is about is a group of men that decided what we want to really be about is becoming Christ followers, servant leaders, who will reproduce after our kind. We will learn to be men that will uh, take these things which have been entrusted to us in the presence of many witnesses and entrust these things to faithful men. That starts first and foremost with those of us who have already got biological children because they are the ones that God has forced to live with us and we are making disciples in our home, guys. We are making disciples in the way that we interact, the way that we respond, the way that we think, the way that we speak, the way we treat women, the way we handle money, the way we use discretionary time, the way we watch TV. Make no mistake, you are leading. Those of you guys that have roommates, okay, you're either, your roommate is being sharpened and becoming a better man because he's around you, he's being convicted of what his life is not because he looks at what your life is, he's being encouraged to follow you, or you are allowing him to continue in a path of mediocrity. And so our lives are going to reproduce after their kind. When God tells us in Genesis 1 to be fruitful and multiply, he tells us that in Genesis 1. In Genesis 2 and 3, specifically where sin comes in the world, he doesn't tell us to be fruitful and multiply after that kind. He tells us to be broken men who come back to the cross. And after we have acknowledged our rebellion, our sin, our incompetence as individuals who rebelled against God, then the command to be fruitful and multiply comes back again. Once you've been reconciled to God and learned to humble yourself before him, then he says, now go and make disciples. Before that, he's telling us to deal with our own issues before we break out and lead others. Okay? Uh, what I want to invite you guys to this next eight to ten weeks, and what I really want to challenge you, I don't want to just invite you, I want you to lead out, because some of you all may not feel like you're ready to teach and lead others. Well, that doesn't mean you're not ready, uh, if you're not going to be the primary leader in your group, that doesn't mean you're not able at this point to broker your relational influence into other guys and invite them to come and sit at the feet of God's Word and learn. Every single one of us can do that. Every single one of us can go find a buddy and say, I want you to come with me to this thing and learn with me so that we can become the kind of guys that if others became like us, this would be a better place. And so I want to challenge you guys to broker your influence with men that are here at Watermark already that are not engaged, and there are plenty of them. We talk about how our heart is to read the unchurched, the dechurched, the dead church, and the unmoved and there's a lot of guys that are here at Watermark that are unmoved to execute to get to this place to learn. And it takes a man like you to say, get your tail out of bed and go with me. I want you to spend 10 minutes a day. It's all it takes. It's better than nothing. Reading this little simple thing, writing down a few notes and coming ready to discuss it. And being honest and authentic about where you are. And let's take some ground together. So broker some influence that way. Get guys to come with you. All right? Men are looking for other men that they can follow. And you can tell them. If they won't come, then you can tell them every week what you're learning. 
Say, hey, man, let me tell you what you missed this week. This is unbelievable for me. And we can become a group of men that are taking that hill together. I'm going to tell you why we want to do this, okay? We want to do it because God commands us to do it. And God commands us to do that because he's got our best interest in mind. God's not looking, I love to say, to rip us off. He's looking to give us ultimate meaning and purpose in life, okay? Let me just remind you, one of my favorite passages of Scripture comes in Mark chapter 10. And it's in verse 35. If you got your Bible, good. Turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 35. If not this morning, because uh, maybe we knew it was introductory time. Uh, you came in, your hands were full of food and coffee, so I'll just let you look behind me. Now, this is a moment where two of the disciples that were closest to Jesus had just heard Jesus talk about the fact that he was going to give his life for his men. That's what great leaders always do. He was going to give his life for his men. And uh, James and John weren't real impressed with the fact that their leader was going to suffer, that their friend that they cared a lot about was going to go down. They were going to kind of say, well, look, if he's out of here, someone else is going to lead. And if he says he's who he says he is, then we may as well go ahead and get his blessing right now and kind of ensure our future through politicking. Now look what they say. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, they came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. What an amazing deal. We want you to do whatever we ask of you to do. And I love the response of Jesus. He said, What do you want me to do for you? Now, usually when guys come up and say that, you just got through pouring your heart out. In this specific instance, Jesus just said, hey, man, I'm going to die. Great, that's fine. Enough about you already. Hey, will you do for us whatever I ask you to do? That's, that's really the context of what's going on here. But look at the heart of Christ. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And, and, and they say, we want you to make us co-vice presidents. So when you get rubbed out, we become the guys. We want the places of honor. One at your right and one at your left. And it's an amazing statement. And what's even more amazing is how Jesus responds. Jesus doesn't just undress them, you know, with a verbal tirade. Say, have you guys not been listening to the thing I've been saying? You guys, a bunch of me first pleasure seekers, always looking to promote yourself. No, that's not what he does. What Jesus does in that moment is he says, look, all right, fine. I'm all for that. Do you know you were designed to be elevated. You were designed for glory. But I want to ask you, are you able to do the things that I'm going to do that make me somebody who is worthy of the office and the position and the praise that I get from other men? Are you willing to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And, you know, typically when somebody asks you that, you go, well, what's in that little cup? But these guys were all about, yeah, I'm willing. And how many guys say, I want to look like that. I want a wife who treats me like that. I want kids who respect me like that. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. My buddy Howard Hendricks is the guy that, uh, you know, talked about the fact that uh, one day he was uh, trying to impact a group of men in a setting like this. There was a guy who was a very well-known doctor in the Dallas area, extremely respected. And uh, that guy walked up and said to him, man, I'd give my right arm to have a family like yours. And Hendricks said, well, look, that's easy to say because that's just a metaphor. But would you give up your medical practice? Would you give up your, uh, your world being about you? Would you give up uh, being adored and praised by everybody in your professional community so that you can get home at a certain time, so you can start to pour into your kids, so you can start to focus on your wife, that you can develop as a man the way you've developed as a doctor? Don't tell me you'd give your right arm. Are you willing to give your life? Because that's what it takes. You know, a lot of guys, you know, will, will pick up that phone call and dial 1-800-BOW-UP, Right? You know, about 11 o'clock at night while they're sitting there eating buttered popcorn, flipping back and forth between Letterman and Sports Center. I want to look like that dude. 
But not very many guys will go ahead and get themselves up at 5.30 to shower and, you know, come someplace to bow up. A lot of guys will sign lifetime commitments to be, you know, a member of a gym in case they ever get the urge they can go start to use that membership. But it's the guys that discipline themselves that start to be other guys that other men go, I'd like to look like that. I'd like to have a wife that treated me like that. I'd like to be able to answer like that. I'd like to be able to handle stress like that. I'd like to not be sucked up in the cortex, you know, uh, of, uh, in the, excuse me, the vortex of, uh, you know, just uh, materialism that's in Dallas like that guy. I'd like other men to want to follow me like they do that guy. And that comes when you discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're inviting other men to join us in. See, what Jesus says is, you wouldn't drink this cup? You know, they signed up right then, but they said, okay, I'm not going to give you an option. You will drink this cup, all right? You are going to work out. You are going to suffer. But whether or not you'll get here and here, that's up to God. We'll figure it out. But what's amazing, guys, is that Jesus doesn't rebuke their longing to be great. Let me just tell you, God doesn't mind that you want to be a great guy. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't mind that you are a man that desires even to be glorious, do you understand that? What he desires, though, is that you understand where essential greatness comes from and what will make you glorious. What makes you glorious is not to be a man that brings others under subjection to them through their uh, leadership and their oppressive, dominant maleness, as we often define it in our society, that has made women rebel and children resent us. What God says is when you learn to lead through love and being a servant... And a true measure of a man is measured not by the number of men that serve him, but by the number of men he serves. When you learn that, he said, you'll be a great man. Um, this last week, I had a privilege. I was speaking, I actually had a men's event up back, you know, back east. And when one of my kids each turned 13. I just had my second one become a teenager a little bit ago. I take him with me on a little trip, and, and, and my girls have been taken to New York. And so we were in New York, and uh, it just so happened that I was up there, and I had never been to Yankee Stadium. And, uh, I, you know, I wanted to go grab a game at Yankee Stadium before it got torn down, being a guy that loved that game. And, uh, it worked out where I could. And I happened to go on, the only day I could go was Sunday the 21st. Well, that happened to be the last game ever in Yankee Stadium. And so, uh, just through a series of events, I was very fortunate to come across a ticket. And I went there, and, and I was just sitting there, and it reminded me of, of something that happened to me 10 years ago this year. And then coupled with it where I was that particular night and what they were talking about and what went on that day about, about this little story in Mark chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. Uh, first of all, I got a call from my buddy who uh, on September 8th this year, he called me. And he goes, 10 years ago today, where were you? Five, four, three, two. And I kind of quickly looked down at my watch. I saw it was September 8th. I go, September 8th, this guy's calling me, asked me that. I go, uh, St. Louis, man, I was with you. Uh, we had at the last minute... Um, flown up to St. Louis on September 8, 1998 to watch uh, Mark McGuire uh, bat that night because he had just hit his 61st home run uh, the game before and he was playing a little games against the Chicago Cubs. This guy knew I was a Cardinal fan. I was sitting in my office at 5.15 in Dallas and my phone rang and he said, do you want to go to the Cardinal game? And I go, it's in St. Louis. And he goes, I know. I just got a hold of so-and-so. He said he could get us five standing room tickets. I just talked to my buddy so-and-so. He's going to meet us at Love Field at 6 o'clock. If you want to go, we're going to go for it. 
So I, I, I met them over there at 6 o'clock. Uh, we left about 6.15. We landed in St. Louis around you know, 7.40. And then we uh, raced to Bush Stadium. We walked in the ballpark at 8.10. At 8.18, we ran to the left field foul pole. Eight minutes after we got there, I think it was the fifth inning, Mark McGuire jacked one off Steve Trashel in the left field uh, bleachers to hit a 60-second home run. I mean, fireworks went off. Everybody went crazy. You know, you just broke this record that nobody thought would ever be broken that Maris set, you know, uh, back in 1961. And what was really amazing about that event is they put up there in that scoreboard at that moment a picture of Roger Maris. Roger Maris wasn't there, okay, because he was dead. And uh, his kids were there. But they had a picture of Roger Maris up on that school board, uh, and, and, and the theme that entire year for Mark McGuire as he started to get all those different home runs, the theme was chasing immortality. Now, I thought it was just ironic, maybe a little bit, that they talked about how to chase immortality, and they put a picture of a dead man up there on the screen. And I just thought about how our world elevates certain activities, and our world elevates certain practices, and it says, this is what's going to make you immortal. Just, just like this dead guy's immortal. Right? And I thought, you know, uh, I, I, I don't want to chase. I mean, I'm all for Roger Maris. He's like a good guy. But, but I, I don't want to chase a dead guy. I, I want to be essentially great. Okay? I, the reason I told you the Yankee Stadium story is because, um, you know, what's, what's Yankee Stadium called? The house that Ruth built. Okay? Let me just tell you about houses that Ruth built. What did I just go to on last Sunday? The last game at Yankee Stadium. They tear down houses that Ruth's built. And almost everybody in this country, all the guys, we are trained from the time that we're little kids to chase immortality or to build houses like Babe Ruth. Well, you're not immortal if you become like Roger Maris. And, and the house that you build if you're like Babe Ruth gets torn down. Now, is there anything wrong with one to have great athletic accomplishment? No. But that's where Paul in 2 Timothy is telling young Timothy, said, Timothy, I want you to be great. And bodily discipline, I could just say in, in today's uh, language, athletic prowess, financial success, being a great research doctor, those things are fine. In keeping and pursuing those things, there is some reward. But godliness is of great gain, for it has benefit not only in this life, but in the life to come. You want to be great? Jesus says, I'm not bothered by that. But here's how to become essentially great. This is what makes a man essentially great. The world will adore you and love you for a while. Okay? If you are, um, you know some little American idol. But American idols, it is so fleeting. You know, one of the things about New York is there are just celebrities everywhere running around. And, uh, you know, and after a while, they become, you know, it's funny because, you know, I took my little girl to a couple of Broadway shows and you could literally see these people that were adored inside these plays. One of the things that really is fun is, is you know, they, they always come out the stage door for the most part. And, and they look for people to just, they, they stand there, and I was watching, we once saw Mary Poppins, and I'm going to tell you what, it was outstanding, alright? It was, it was, it was great, man. Mary Poppins was awesome. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, they came out, and the guy that played Bert, you know, the, the role that Dick Van Dyke played, was just phenomenal. 
I mean, he was, he was phenomenal. And, uh, and, and the little girl that was Mary Poppins was really, really good. She was an understudy. And so, you know, you kind of get there and the woman that's you know, kind of billed as Mary Poppins wasn't there, but her understudy was. And I mean, she was spectacular. And, and you're standing there and my little girl's waiting for them to come out. And, um, and you could see when Mary Poppins came out, this particular night, there's a lot of old folks in the crowd. So there weren't a lot of kids there waiting to hang around. So, you know, Kirby got some good time with Mary Poppins. And then out of that, you could see him open the door and the guy leaned in and says, there's only one. And you see him kind of come out, and there was only one. Only one little girl there that just wanted to meet Bert, you know, and uh, have him sign a little playbill and just have, get a picture taken with him. And then he just walked and just kind of disappeared into the masses. Well, just minutes earlier, man, there was, you know, 1,500 people on their feet just cheering for this guy, curtain call after curtain call. And I just watched him walk away, okay, into just millions of people in New York and just disappear. Walking by folks. I saw other celebrities, you know, that were walking. You could almost tell they wanted somebody to notice them. But they just got lost in all the people. And I just thought, man, what again? Here's what the world just praises these folks, you know? And, uh, and they just get lost and they go, what, is this what I gave myself for? Where, where's the immortality in this? It was so fleeting. There was one little girl. And now I gotta go and be useful in some other means and manner. And God is calling you, guys, to something great. Okay? The house that Ruth built. Fleeting. But listen to Psalm 127. Okay? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Okay? And, and it goes right through there. And it says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's vain for you to eat the bread, no, to, to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors for the Lord gives to their beloved even in their sleep. And then in verse 4, it takes a switch. And now he's going to tell you, you want a house that endures? This is how you get it. This is how you become a man whose legacy endures. Guess what it's through? The same thing he said it would be through in Genesis chapter 1. Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of a womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, we're not going to come here and procreate on Thursday mornings. All right? That would fill the room up. Okay? There's never been a wanting for people to come worship at pagan fertility cults. All right? What do you do when you go to church? Sleep with a hooker. I'm in. All right. That's all it takes. All right? That ain't what we're going to be doing here. Okay? But we are going to be producing spiritual children. And you guys have a chance to put some quivers, uh, some arrows in your quiver. You guys have a chance to be fruitful and multiply and to give yourself away and to pour yourself into other men who will live in a way that will bring joy to Israel. I, let me tell you, man, there's certain passages of Scripture. Turn, turn to First Chronicles with me. This is not a place you typically go. But look at First Chronicles. Uh, and this is, this is a great little section because it's where David talks about his mighty men. Okay? And I love this, just this description of David's guys. Um, First Chronicles, let's just read a little bit of this, <laughs> because some of these guys are going, are you kidding me? That is awesome. All right. Uh, I, I, you know, Brandon, are you here this morning? Is Brandon Slay here? 
All right, or JP, you here this morning? I call them both out. All right, uh, I was walking through Times Square, and you know Times Square's got these huge billboards, and there was this billboard of these two guys that are fighting in a uh, a CBS, you know, um, not a cage match, but uh, you know, just uh, no rules fighting. What's that called? Why am I drawing a blank? Yeah. Okay. And uh, anyway, these two guys were in Times Square. Well, I know one of the guys on our staff team is considered the world's expert in, in two-legged uh, takedown. Uh, Brandon Slay won a gold medal in Australia for the United States uh, wrestling team. And Brandon is obviously a very gifted athlete. And, and Brandon got a call from this guy who, uh, Jonathan Bakluda, who's also on our staff, grew up kind of, this was this guy's, Jonathan's hero, this, this particular fighter, who's now making the switch over to, uh, you know, this uh, UFC stuff. And so... Um, anyway, Brandon got this call, and I walk into Times Square. I knew that those guys had just flown out to Vegas because this guy told Brandon, I need you to come help me train, okay, because i got to get this guy down to the max. If I try and box him, he's going to kill me, all right? And so um, anyhow, Brandon and JP were out there, and so I'm walking through Times Square, and here's this guy's picture, you know, five times the size of me. And I called him and I said, look, man, if this guy gets humiliated on October you know, 18th, then I, I know who to blame, okay? Uh, you know, this guy's over there promoting his big fight, and, and you two are the guys are going to teach him how to do it. And, uh, and when you watch some of these guys and the things that they accomplish, you just kind of go, oh, man, it's amazing. Well, look at what David's guy accomplished. This is just some amazing stuff. Uh, let's, just, let's just pick it up in verse 20. Um, these are some of the guys that hung out with David. They're called David's Mighty Men. It says, as for Abshai, the brother of Joab, he was the chief of the 30. And he swung his spear against 300 and killed them. And he had a name as well as the 30. Of the three in the second rank, he was the most honored and became their commander. However, he did not attain to the first. Look at verse 22. Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of valiant man of Kabzeel, mighty indeed, struck down the two sons of Ariel of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion inside a pit on a snowy day. <laughs> Well, let me just say, you ought to read this because you just kind of go, what David did is he surrounded himself with every one of hell's angels that had any sense of God that were alive during his day. I mean, these guys, every one of them has a resume. Are you, are you kidding me? He did what? To who in a cage? To what in a pit? When? To how many? He just clobbered people. Well, anyway, these guys surrounded David and David taught them, okay, to use, if you will, their physical strength and their warrior prowess to defend Israel and to honor God. Now I want to show you, gang, why what we're doing is so important. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff Stresa, who is here this morning, all right, Stresa uh, said to me something that blessed my socks off a couple of years ago. Uh, where are you at, Stresa? I saw you out there. All right. Do you remember what you said to me about Watermark? We were up at, uh, uh, what, would, what, what do you think I'm going to say? Yeah, he told me, he said, look, Todd, he goes, let me tell you, I've been around places of worship for a long time, but Watermark is a man's church. He said, this is a man's church. Because, you know, the men here are asked to be men. And I thought, man, you know why I'm thrilled to hear that? Because every man I know wants to be a man. And you want to be a man of some significance, and you want to be a man who makes a difference, and you want a man that brings, um, you know, provision to your people, that protects your people. You want to be a man that brings security to your people. You want a man that is loved and adored by your woman. And that's what God wants for you. And when men become the kind of men that God wants them to be, when you get a bunch of warriors who surround a man after God's own heart, 
Because all David was, was a type of Jesus. And we are a bunch of men. We've maybe never entered into a snowy pit and killed lions. Okay? But there are giants in the land today, and women and children are looking for men who will take them on. And they're looking for mighty men, men of valor. They're looking for guys that will discipline themselves and become warriors and bless the land. And they will follow a man after God's own heart, specifically Jesus. Okay, now look, go back and read. If you just want to give your kids, you know, just talk about what a great man is, go back and look at 1 Chronicles 11 and 12. It's packed with amazing stories. But look what happens in 1 Chronicles 12 as it ends this whole little section. Look at verse 38. And it, and it kind of wraps it all up in, in 1 Chronicles 12. All these being men of war, I'm in 1 Chronicles 12, now verse 38, who could draw up in battle formation, came to Hebron with a perfect heart to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest and all of Israel were of one mind to make David king. Get this. The men came together with a perfect heart. Their hearts were right. It wasn't about themselves. It was about others. And they wanted to make the man after God's own heart more famous. Starting to sound familiar? Now watch. It says, and they were there with David three days, eating and drinking, for their kinsmen had prepared for them. Moreover, those who were near to them, even as far as Issachar and Zebulon and Naphtali, brought food on donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen, great quantities of flour cakes, fig cakes, and bunches of raisins, wine, oil, oxen, and sheep, and then look at how First Chronicles 12.40 ends. Let's read it together. The last sentence. You ready? There was joy in Israel. Do you know why there was joy in Israel? you know why there will be joy in Dallas? you know why there will be joy at Watermark? When men start to get perfect hearts and look to make a man after God's own heart more famous. And we become warriors for that purpose. And we discipline ourselves for that purpose. There will be joy in Israel. And your, and your mortality won't be fleeting. The house that you build won't fade away. It will endure forever. You want some of that? I mean, I, I know I do. Okay, I want, I want my life to produce First Chronicles 12.40. And it will not... If I don't get around other warriors who say, this is how you train, this is how you take down evil, this is how you live nobly, this is how you have a perfect heart, this is how you do things rightly. Okay? Now guys, here's the even more amazing news. It doesn't matter where you've been. Okay? Because if you go back further in First Samuel and First Chronicles, you'll find out that the guys that came to David... They were, they were bowed up. They, they, they were bikers. They were broken men that were looking for a gang to give them meaning. They, they were distressed. They were disheartened. They were disillusioned. And sometimes they were, some, they were outright disrespected for some of the failures that they had. And they came around David. And David taught them to love. And he taught them to live for something greater than themselves. And God restored them. And he made a mighty men. Men of valor whose lives were so radically transformed that when these guys were pushed forward, there was joy in Israel. And that can be us. This has got to be a men's church. There will never be joy in the land when men aren't acting like biblical, glorious, great men are supposed to act. And that's why I care so much about Summit. 
And that's why it's a shame, okay, guys, you know, that this thing isn't thick with men. Because that means we are not inspiring other men to join us. Okay? And we got to get on it. Okay? Now, listen, Thursday mornings from 6.30 to 8 is the only time it happens. And I know there's lots of guys, hundreds if not thousands of guys are doing it other times. But, look, if you aren't already doing it and you're talking to guys that aren't already doing it, get them in here for eight weeks. And say, let's go. Let's get after it. And let's really get after it. And let's train. And let's get our hearts perfect. Let's get our hearts right. Uh, I'm going to, uh, just because, you know, a men's breakfast, uh, we're going to play a country song. And, uh, and uh, I just want to uh, just put a video up there because I really want, I want, look at, I want some of you guys that are out there that have felt like you've, you've screwed up so much, okay, that, that God can never use you to bring joy in Israel again. I want to tell you how wrong you are. But it's going to take you doing what these mighty men of valor did. You've got to get around to David. Okay? You've got to get around somebody that can make your heart care about what God cares about. The good of others. Not your own resume and your own impressive accomplishments and your own warring for your own glory. Alright? And, and this is a song, and the video is just very, very average, but the lyrics, okay? are good. Now it starts, I'm just going to tell you, it starts a little rough, but hang in there. The first line is, I had a one night stand with my best friend's baby sister. All right, now look, that, how else do you start a country song? All right. But I want you to listen to what this guy figured out. All right. And, and you may not relate to that first line, but if you listen long enough, I think you'll find something in here that you can relate to. And just like David called men to come follow him and be warriors, and to get it right, these guys, to follow David, they had to figure out that greatness was not going to come by following what they thought would bring them greatness. They were chasing immortality the wrong way. And they came to their senses. Okay? And that's what we've got to do so we can get after it. So just, just take three minutes and 20 seconds, watch this little song, and then I'm going to close this. guys i mean here's what, here's what i really want to say the reason i play that song I, I need to watch songs like that every now and then just to give me a little perspective i need to watch yankee stadiums get torn down i need to see the fleetingness of mark mcguire's fame that later is shattered by his own uh you know use of uh supposed use of uh, performance enhancing drugs and even that being broken by another guy who enhanced himself better just to remind myself what I want to really be about. And this, this, this shattered glass, even though I've known Christ, man, for 30 years, well, not 30 years, 25 years, okay, uh, there's still some shattered glass around me. And I just, I want to be a better man. I want to look back and I want to see uh, peace in my family. I want to see joy in my nation. I, I want to see uh, essential greatness. And I know this, man, I have learned already that that's only going to come when God takes this very imperfect heart and makes it perfect again. And he has me gather around somebody who has a heart like his so that I can become more like Christ, so that these things that I have learned in the presence of many witnesses, these I can entrust to faithful men who are going to be able to teach others also in their family, in their community, in their church. This has got to be a man's church. It's got to be. Okay?
And if this is going to be a great church, if this is going to be a great place that makes Jesus, our David, more famous, okay? A lot of things have got to change, and it's got to start right here with us. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is it's never too late. And you can just say, okay, man, September 25th, I'm going to start chasing immortality. September 25th, I'm going to start to discipline myself for the purpose of godliness. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to journal. I'm going to get with other men who say, hey, man, that's not the right way to do a curl. That's not the right way to do a squat. Okay? That's not the right way to swing a sword. That's not the right way to handle stress. That's not the right way to respond. That's not the right way to live. This is. Okay? <laughs> I was speaking, and there was a guy who was a former Mr. Pennsylvania that was at this thing, and he has come to know Christ, and not just a little bit. Okay? And he was telling a story to me. You know, he's just one of these guys that can't, he'll, he'll share with a wall if they'll let him. And uh, he said he just got in trouble because he was gone through airport security. Okay? And the guy there uh, was getting ready to run. He said, you got any weapons in there? He goes, I got 66 of them. <laughs> and, and they looked at him, what? He goes, I got 66 of them. And the guy immediately goes like this. And they came over and they, go, and they opened the thing up and they pulled out his Bible. All right? And, and, uh, and this guy's all there bowed up. All right? And he goes, the word of God is living in after and sharp and then ain't two-edged sword. Are you going to arrest me because I just told you that God's word is a weapon? All right? And he started to share with all these guys. All right? Now, that, that was probably not the wisest thing to do. Okay? But that's just the way the guy lives. All right? And here's what I'm talking about. Okay? Look. We're going to teach you to wield the sword. Okay? So that you can be a mighty man of valor. We're going to teach you to read it through. Pray it in. Live it out. And pass it on. And gang, I'll tell you, what's going to happen when we do that? There will be joy in Israel. Okay? Look, man, go get you a young Padawan. All right? Is that how you say it? Come on, Eric. I know you watch Star Wars way too much. Is that right? All right? Be somebody's Yoda. All right? Get you a young Jedi. And get in the school. All right? And let's be men. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for these guys. And the fact that we got up this morning to come and remind ourselves that there is a way towards greatness. And that you don't begrudge us that, man. You're like a loving father who says, son, you want to be great? Then don't get us in a basement like Mickey Mantle's dad did and teach us to switch hit from the time we could walk. Get us on our knees and teach us to pray. Get our hearts right so that we can begin to meditate on your words, so that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in your sight. Get us to be men that don't discipline ourselves only in fleeting ways, but that we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, Lord, so that there won't be shattered glass around us, but that there would be joy and feasting and much rejoicing in Israel, in our little kingdom. I pray, Lord, that there are hundreds of mighty men here. I pray that we go and we walk through and we challenge other men to step up and to become patriots for your kingdom with us. And they will come and they will study and they will learn and we will go and we will walk in humility and we will chase 
Father, what you say will make us great. So help us think specifically of men now. And help us, Lord, to, uh, to challenge them, to call them, and if they won't come, to live our lives in front of them in such a way that they would be convicted of what they are missing out on, and that is the fullness of joy. And that is greatness, as we learn to walk humbly in your steps. I thank you for these friends and the chance, Father, to pursue you with them. As we surround Jesus, our David, may we become known as your mighty men. For your glory and our good, I pray. Amen. Hey, guys, I want to tell you something. I, I, I want this to be a man's church because that blesses women. You know what men do? They cherish and honor women. You know what men do? Men love women in such a way that to be a chauvinistic woman or a woman's liber would never cross their mind. Why would I want to liberate myself from being a woman that is led by this kind of man? That's what men do. Children won't be exasperated. People will not be oppressed. They will be served when you become the kind of king that God created you to be. And it's going to happen as we labor that way together. Okay? Let's go get other men. And let's get ready to get after it.